0: Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Recorded Friday, November the 20th, this is the Western Devs Podcast. In today's episode, the devs discuss Zencaster.
1: Boy, look here, we got something for you. Yeah!
2: to another Western Devs podcast. How are you doing today, Westy?
3: You know, I'm doing freaking fantastic. That's how I'm okay. doing.
2: The rest of you, uh, I will forego the question because I don't really care.
3: <laughs> I'm special today.
2: But for the rest of our listeners, we've got a special podcast today. We've got a guest speaker. We have Josh Nilsson with us, the creator of Zencaster, which is a product that we use. At Western Devs for recording our podcast. Welcome, Josh.
1: Hey, happy to be here.
2: Awesome. Well, uh, rather than me describe what Zencaster is all about, why don't you tell us what Zencaster does?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Zencaster is a tool for quality conscious podcasters that helps them record their guests um, in high quality. Um, typically, it's used for podcasters who have. Um, guests that they're interviewing over Skype or Google Hangouts, and it records them locally on their end so that you don't have to deal with any of the artifacts, of like compression artifacts that are inherent to
2: Skype and Hangouts. That's about as, as marketing as we're going to get in there because we want to... We, the reason we contacted uh, you, Josh, is because we're all very fascinated by the technology behind this, us being all... Um, technical to varying degrees and uh so why don't you anybody can jump in here with questions what did you build this with
1: um yeah so Zencaster like in a kind of from the top level the stack is um node.js on the back end using a framework called koa um and then, on the front end, I'm using um, JavaScript also, obviously, with a framework called Backbone. And I'm m- making heavy use of the web audio API and the web WebRTC API. And essentially, kind of the way that all ties together is when you talk into the microphone, um, I'm using the WebRTC API to access the microphone. And then I'm using elements of the Web Audio API to kind of stream that um, or deal with that audio in chunks. And then I'm encoding it into an MP3 in your browser. And then I'm uploading chunks of MP3s to the host's Dropbox account um, about once every 30 seconds. And then at the end when you stop recording, it kind of finishes what it's doing and you'll have a separate MP3 for each, um, each participant. So you have like a JavaScript based MP3 encoder? Uh, yeah, it's actually a port of the lame MP3 encoder to JavaScript. It's a little hacky, but it works. And I'm hoping in the future that there will be na- like, a way through the web audio API to do like native encoding, but it doesn't exist right now. Do you do that port yourself? No, no. I have some, some angel on GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
4: Isn't the, uh, the RTC stuff you're using. That's, that's, that's pretty new web stuff, right?
1: Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, it's, it's, it's rapidly evolving and it's, you know, it's been around, and I don't know, a few years now in like theory, it finally has kind of become, you know, usable in, you know, Firefox and Chrome, um, Opera. um, I think also like Chrome on Android, it still doesn't work in Safari. But, you know, it's getting there. But I mean, just up until literally maybe four or five months ago, there was no ability for you to like select the microphone like we have in the top right right now. So that just kind of got added. So I've got to kind of keep my eye on it.
2: So just for um, one one of the questions that we had when we were discussing this. So you're storing this client side and server side in uh, sort of on the fly. It's uploading up to the server at regular intervals, correct? Correct, yeah. Well, so far, it's been uh, pretty great for us. So what we were doing before, we used GoToMeeting for uh, one or two podcasts. And then before that, right before Zencaster, we would use Skype and everybody would record individually with Audacity and then have to upload uh, to a common location. That's basically the process that Zencaster has automated for us. So... What led you to ZenCast, or was it the technology, or was it an actual business need that you saw?
1: Um, it was actually kind of the technology, um, as as we kind of mentioned off show. I don't have my own podcast. I'm actually working on getting my own one podcast going because I've now I've kind of seen the light and the merits of using it as a um, well for fun and as a marketing tool, but. Um, it actually kind of rose out of the ashes of a previous attempt at a company that I did with a couple other guys. It was called SoundKeep.com, and the idea was helping. Uh, it, the original idea was uh op- op- like a, a GitHub for music or an open source music collaboration tool. Um, the idea was that since most electronic musicians are, you know use like it's kind of a derivative art form you need you need samples and sounds and things and then you kind of make your own thing out of it um anyway long story short that fell flat on its face and um after that I was kind of thinking well actually during that process someone said to me I don't know about what you're working on now but I know that podcasters have a problem with you know, getting their audio all in the same place and sharing the files and, um, you know, the recording part wasn't even uh, on the radar yet. But so after Soundkeep kind of um, flopped, then that kind of came back into my mind. And I knew a few podcasters. And so I went and started talking to them and asking them like what their problems were. And it sounded like I would be able to use the skills and some of the technology that I had been wor- already working on and kind of, uh, aim it at a new problem. And so that's kind of how I stumbled my way into, um, being an imposter in the podcasting world.
4: And it sounds like the, the way you've implemented the tech, even though there's like some, you know, pretty heavy duty stuff going on audio recording and encoding and storage. Uh, you've offloaded it all right. So all the encoding and recording is done on my client, and then it's uploaded to Kyle's Dropbox. So your servers don't really need to do much.
1: Um, yeah. Currently, there's not a lot going through my servers. The when you run post productions, I do handle some of that um, data. But um, yeah, right now, really, my 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 servers could cr- could completely crash. And this recording could continue on and, um, you you know, all the audio would be up on the Dropbox account cause it's not going through my servers. Um, that was part of a lesson I learned from the last company was just keep things as lean as possible. Like we, we ended up in a situation <clears throat> in the past in the last time where, you know, we kind of built for scale first and, you know, before we even had any kind of a business model, we were having like $1,200 bills for rack space and things like that. And um, so this time I was just like, I'm just going to like, I mean, the, this uh, Zencaster right now runs on like a $40 a month uh, digital ocean server, VPS.
4: I'm, I'm curious, uh, this is, uh, when Kyle brought this up, we started using this, I don't know, a few months ago. I'd never heard of it before. It's awesome. It's way better than what we did before. How many how many people use Dencasters? Is, is a lot of people using this today? I, I don't even know.
1: Um, you know, I haven't really done a ton in the way of marketing. I'm actually at a point where I'm considering turning off signups for a while because there's maybe too many people using it for at the level that I'm at since I'm not charging yet. Um, but there's maybe fifteen hundred to 2000 signups. And I'm actually, I embarrassingly enough, I don't have good, I haven't built a good dashboard for analytics yet. And so I don't, I I don't know exactly how many like active users there are or how I would define an active user. Podcasting is a little bit strange because some people, you know, they're not daily users, they might be weekly or monthly or even less and still kind of be using the tool. Um, but let's see, maybe about 300 hours a month of the post-production credits get used, but nobody, not everybody uses those. Um, I'd say there's about 5,000 hours total have been recorded through the, through the app.
4: Kyle, are we use? are you using the post-production from Zencaster?
2: Uh, I've noticed it, but I haven't tried it myself yet. Yeah, I mean, basically, what it does is it it just
1: um it grabs all the audio, um st- starts them all at the same time for you, and then um, it runs a set of like audio enhancements over each track to get rid of noise, to um, do some like a ta- like adaptive um, loudness, um, so it kind of r- runs a compression on them. Then it mixes them together, does some cross gating and um, makes sure the levels are all kind of close together on each track and then gives you the final mix. So
3: so just a quick question about going back to um, what you were saying. So in terms of the technology stack, so if I misheard something, so using the WebRTC standards and stuff like that within the browser, did you say that?
1: Yeah, the browser, they call it WebRTC, which is real-time communication. Yeah. Um it's a little bit broader than that though cuz I'm actually currently not using the, you know, real-time communication part of it. But Okay. The, the real intention with WebRTC is you could run, you could do a, a hangouts or a Skype thing call in the browser. Right. Um but part of that is you need access to the the microphone and, and the camera. camera. Yeah. And so I'm kind of just lightly using those pieces for now. Um, okay. the next version of Zencaster is going to give you the option to do the call all in the browser um so that you wouldn't need to have Skype sitting on the side. Okay. Um but I'm just working on that right now, hopefully in the next few weeks. Although it's it's I'm a little nervous about having like like in this case there'd be like nine video streams Yeah, trying to go yeah. through a browser tab. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that would work.
4: If you did the, the call through the browser, would the streams have to go through your servers
3: or would it be peer-to-peer?
1: It's peer-to-peer.
3: And oh, okay. just to add to that too, um, like the WebRTC standard is being iterated on right now and turning into ORTC, right? So that's turning into the new standard that's more locked down and secure that all of the browsers are agreeing on evolving it I'm Just curious on uh, that was kind of where my question was going is, is that is that something you're you're looking to apply as well so or maybe uh, i'm in too much into the weeds so you can you can ignore that if uh if i am
1: well you know i've actually that's news to me um it sounds good <laughs> uh i've um maybe i need to do some research if things are changing i subscribe to their mailing list interestingly enough right now the big topic is um people like nefarious uh websites using the web audio api and the web rtc to like use ultrasound signals to track people's location and associate them with (laughs) computers and things
3: yeah the usage is is unique and on top of that, the standard for the video stuff I've, i've seen some of that neat uh some of the challenges they're having with that spec. So cool. No, that that's great. Thank you. Did you say that uh, this does, can do video recording too and splice those together?
1: Um, no, oh. you'll be able to have a video. Like if, I know this a lot of people, even though they're recording the audio, like to be able to see each other during the conversation. Um, so you'd be able to have a video stream um to while you're recording the audio uh I haven't figured out a great way to like store and record video it's just so big um and to have it especially if I was trying to like live stream it back to the Dropbox or something Um, I mean that I'm. I, I, I think it will be possible and it might be possible now but it's not a you know that's like a V2, V3 kind of a thing for Zencaster.
4: Yeah, I know we've mentioned it uh, in the past, you know, could we do a, a podcast with video? It's pretty much been shut down. I think we got a lot of people that work from home and aren't really appropriately clothed most of the times. Well, my problem is really just that I'm hideous, so
0: I don't know people have to turn off because of that. There aren't any good solutions right now that support this many people for doing video, even Skype. I think it maxes out at four or five people if you're doing a video call. So it just turns the video off for us.
4: Well, but Dave, you could record the video like like we used to do with Audacity or this locally, right? Eight local streams and splice them together. Not so much concerned about the live video, but, you know, publishing a video podcast. You could do that. I'm I'm not sure we want to. But it would be interesting.
2: I, I would question the value for it. I think that one of the huge appeals of podcasts is that people can listen to them on the way to, to work or, or on the bus or whatever. right? But uh, if I knew what trends we're going to take or not, I, I wouldn't be here talking with you guys. You'd probably have a haircut.
0: <laughs> it doesn't seem like hair. it
2: really adds anything
0: to it. Like Maybe if we had some sort of props or diagrams or something, but we never do.
1: Yeah, you know, I've noticed that with um, like video podcasts or video shows, like in theory, you could just listen to them anyway. Like, put them in the back. Like, I I work from home, so i I, you know, I'll put them on in the background while I'm working. But if it's a video one, since I know that there's something to see, I keep it, it bugs me that I'm not seeing it, and so I keep it, it's extra distracting to me. Whereas if it's just audio. I know that like I've got everything and I'm, I can kind of move on. Which
2: maybe that's just me. Well, Getting back to the tech side of things, I'm curious. So this is all using fairly new specs. What would be the experience building this, say, five t- or ten years ago compared to building it today? How much harder would it be? Uh, I, I would say impossible, probably.
1: Um, unless you were using some
4: sort of java right. applets yeah you'd have it'd be have to do have it to a, a windows plugin. app right you could have done it as a windows app five years ago i imagine but not oh yeah it a yeah web app.
1: it's doing it browser-based is it, is what would be hard you could definitely have done it i mean S- skype essentially has all the tool i mean has all the tools for that and just if they add a recording interface you know to do
2: a um a- a desktop app, you may as well look at something like GoToMeeting or and we tried that
4: and it wasn't very good. Well Kyle, I think the big value prop of, of this is it records everybody's streams individually automatically. Yeah right Skype and go to meeting really don't nice. that's why it sucks.
2: Yeah, plus there is a lot of lag there. Um, here you're recording everybody locally which is really nice. Whereas the other ones here are always, you know, there's lag and network lag because, you know, because it's internet.
0: Plus, it's putting everything in the right place,
2: too.
0: It's uploading everything, and we get away from that risk of somebody puts the audio file in their temp directory and then doesn't realize that OSX deletes it after three days. Mm -hmm. I don't know who would... That that seems unlikely, but that could happen twice. (laughs) Even the cloud storage wouldn't have been there five to ten years ago.
2: Yeah, that's true, too.
1: I think the big advantage for the browser-based was... Or is that... um, when you have a one-off guest it's it's just super easy to just send them a link they don't have to worry about like installing anything or pressing record or or like figuring out how to get like export audio or any of that they just click the link and then that's it
0: yeah that's true like people here have been guests on .net rocks right like, kyle did you see you've been on .net rocks or
2: or somebody and that, yeah, was, that was they used some right? pretty heavy-duty equipment. I don't think it was involved for me. I honestly don't remember much of it. Maybe, Donald, you remember it. I, I'm pretty sure I was in London at the time, and I just did it over the phone, and they did whatever they had to do at their end. That's how I remember it.
1: Well, that that was the feedback that I got from a lot of podcasters when I was kind of researching whether or not to build this was – that when they have their co-host that's you know there every week they were recording it on their own ends they had a process they were using you know audacity or something like that
2: and all Uh, this expensive equipment too
1: yeah and they would like invest in you know the microphones and things like that but then when they had a guest especially if it was a high profile guest they didn't want to ask them Hey, can you download this program? Can you figure out how to like send us this audio? So they would just say, okay, we're just going to deal with the crappy audio through Skype and do like call recorder or something. Or they would say it's too much of a hassle. Maybe we just don't have a guest this week. If they were like dedicated to the, the quality and didn't want to deal with it. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the pain point I was trying to address.
0: So I think you got that one bang on because by our first experience with it, it was like, "What do we need to do? Here's a link, and we're done."
2: And it was just that easy. So cool. That's the goal. Do you have like um, I can't remember what they call not not really beta testers, but like representative users that you go to and say, "What do you need now?" Like, how do you get feedback?
1: You know, I get so much kind of unsolicited feedback right now um that i haven't in the early days obviously yeah i had some early users who were like the ones who were heavily using the application and there was a lot more issues then and so i was kind of dealing with them on bug reports and so uh, i mean i've got one of the early guys i think has done over 100 recordings on the the show now. So whenever I'm going to launch new features or kind of try and f- figure out what the roadmap is, I'll kind of, I'll shoot an email to some of those guys. But as it stands right now, I get, I get mul- multiple emails a day of people saying, I really want this feature. I'd love to have this. And uh, so I, I've got a pretty good idea. Um, Cause I, I put this new, like um, help link on the bottom, right? that um, people can just easily like shoot me a message. And that's been pretty helpful for just like gathering
2: information. I was actually just noticing this uh, footnote link. I, I'm really bad for not actually exploring things. Once I get some an application to do what I want, I should be using this footnote link to build up the notes as I go. Because one of the things I always have to do is listen to it all the way through to make sort of the synopsis of it. The footnote will kind of put a note at the exact, spot
1: yeah it'll tag it with the timestamp, and you can leave a note or just or or leave no message and just have a flag there
2: in any case this is a good uh, segue into the second part that we wanted to discuss today which is more entrepreneurial most of us have done kind of entrepreneurial things to different degrees and you seem to be at the the beginning of an entrepreneurial venture here so can you just basically tell us what's the, the the experience been like building something like this with I'm assuming the intent to you know eventually monetize it make it something that will make you filthy rich and retire to the Caribbean somewhere
1: <laughs> Um yeah uh so I would say that I kind of I the, the, the previous company that I I mentioned SoundKeep we were hoping to raise money. We wanted to kind of do the big, um, you know, startup thing and, you know, exit strategy, all that kind of stuff. Um, Kind of what prompted me to build Zencaster was, um, well, in between, in between building Soundkeep during that process, the web audio API kind of came out and was a real thing and it could actually be used in the real world. And so I actually started building a digital audio workstation in the browser. That was kind of what I was doing. And I was going to sell, I was trying to kind of copy an Ableton live into the browser and I was going to do it as a software, as a service. In the middle of that process, I had a, I found out that I was having a baby and I was like, Oh, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I was just like, this is a really ambitious project. Before, when like I didn't have that, you know, that pressure, I, it seemed feasible. But now I was like, I need a quicker path, something simpler. Um, and my priorities kind of changed from trying to do a blow it out of the water funded startup thing to I want to bootstrap something that I can do solo. And that can bring me a good, you know, not completely residual, but, you know, a good monthly income so that I can free myself from having to have a day job. And um, so my really my goal with Zencaster is to have if I can get 500 paid users, then I can not work for anyone else. And that's that's a win for me and anything on top of that is gravy. So, and I should add that part of the, part of the reasoning is that my, my wife is from New Zealand and I, you know, I'm from the United States and we end up having to travel a lot and to go see family. And it's, you know, I've having a, having a job where you can't, where you're in one location is kind of hard for us. So, having the ability to be mobile and making money was another one of the considerations.
4: Yeah. So Josh, the, as far as I can tell your site right now is, is totally free for everybody, right? Yeah, correct. What, and I assume you have some kind of plan to, to make revenue off of this. Like, what does uh, that look like?
1: Yeah. So actually I'm hoping to get the paid plans, um, cranking by the end of the year. Um, because it's actually been quite a bit longer than I thought I was going to be in beta, um, and that'll be it'll it'll be probably um, you know around ten to twenty dollars a month, and there'll be kind of probably three tiers. Um, I'm still kind of working out exactly what that looks like, uh, but it'll be um, one of the things that I'm considering doing is instead of uh, charging per. Recording or having tiers based on like how many recordings you do um, is have it be, you know, an infinite amount of recordings and then have the tiers be based on um, how many um, guests you might have in a show. So the first tier would be like a co host plan, just you and one other person. The second tier would be you could have three people. The third tier would be you could have as many as you wanted. And then there will also be some added benefits to the higher tiers in coming in the future, like, um, a wave support, um, publishing, automatic publishing, um, possibly, uh, you know, audio editing and things in the browser as well.
4: I would think that, the the, the uh, I haven't used it cause Kyle's our worker horse that does all the editing. But your your post production stuff sounds like like an advanced feature that people would pay extra for. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, that's that's the hope. I'm gonna try and kind of use that as I think I'm gonna give every plan some post production um, time. But you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, the, the the top tiers would have enough to like do like your you know like eight hours a week a month for your podcast, and then maybe there would be some higher you know. Like higher tiers on that if you do like i don't know some people podcast like every day
4: so josh so 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 far in terms of funding it's been just you as part of the team building it
1: yeah i'm solo um i'm just uh just me building it and um i've yeah i'm kind of Paying for the the running costs out of my paycheck because I, I I've I still have a day job. Um, so I, I work remotely for an e-commerce website in the United States.
4: And do you have any uh, plans or have you started with the marketing or a marketing team or something like that? Uh,
1: well, I just bought a book called Marketing for Developers. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Most of us
0: just bought books on programming for developers.
1: <laughs> I've got some of those too. <laughs> um, but you know, my marketing has been pretty great. I've totally cut, cut down on the marketing so far it, it basically all it is, is the occasional podcast that I get invited to. Cause um, as I mentioned, it's almost getting to the point where until I start charging, I don't really want too many more users because they keep I keep ended up having to use more and more. The post production stuff is what cost me, and so that's getting a little bit expensive, but um yeah, I like initially what I did to get like my first users, um this might be interesting for some people is I um I got on Twitter and I just searched for people who were complaining about their podcast quality, like Skype recording sucks, or you know Skype, or even just Skype recording podcast, or you know, and tried to find people that were having problems, and then I would just send them a message like, "Hey, I've tried this out. It should fix everything." And uh, I actually had fair bit of fair amount of cassette success, success of like getting my first users just through doing that. Then. Kind of luckily, podcasting is kind of a social, kind of viral thing anyway. So anytime someone has someone on their show, they see the tool. If They're a podcaster also. They kind of want to use it. And then somebody put it on Product Hunt, which is a service that kind of lets people learn about new applications. And it um, that pushed me to like my first 700 users. And then after that, it's just been kind of a gradual... I don't know. I get five to 15 signups a day, just depending.
4: Did, didn't you mention earlier that you had, uh, we were talking about the Java or the MP3 encoding. You said you had an angel, angel investor or developer or something?
1: Oh, no. I was just referring to the guy who put the code on GitHub as an angel. He was an oh. angel to
4: me. <laughs> okay. So so you don't have any investors or, or funding or nothing like that. It sounds like it's a one-man show, which is awesome. I'm curious. Yeah. Do, you, do, you have, do you have any plans to, to, like, you know, do the startup thing and bring in investors or anything like that, or is it is it is it going to be just you for the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, I mean, not if I can help it. I mean, if for some reason that makes sense, like, I'm not against it, but I think I realize, like, I, I I did the whole, um, you know, I I worked at a startup in in. Uh, one of my first jobs was working for a startup called Mahalo in LA and the, um, the CEO is a guy named Jason Calacanis. And he's really like, he does like this week in startups and he does like the launch conference in, um, San Francisco each year. And then I left from there and went and got a job with, um, tech the, uh, startup incubator in Boulder and worked through a summer class with them. So I was very kind of steeped in the startup culture in a way that, um, I maybe wasn't, I think I just was had been surrounded by that so much that I just thought, like, that's how you do it. This is the way to do it. And as I've explored that a little bit more, I think I've realized that just for myself, I'm not, I don't think I want to have a bunch of people involved in my company. I don't think I want a board of investors on it I don't think I want to be managing a lot of people and so I've kind of now been trying to embrace the kind of start small stay small kind of process of building a company and bootstrapping it
2: yeah there's a certain advantage to that it's the the other option that you mentioned where you just try to go big and get venture capitalists that's popular these days because that's what makes news but in the startup that I was with, uh, we went back and forth on it, and eventually decided to do it our own way. Um, and one company that we kind of followed philosophically was Thirty Seven Signals, who very strongly espouse that approach: it is build basically as a grassroots. I think you've got a um, a pretty good product here for that kind of thing first of all there's nothing really in that space and it, it's right now basically of the you know of the mindset of doing one thing really well which is quite popular these days but uh, I, I want to ask a different question is that um, how do you decide on the features that you're going to add do you actually sit down and write out a roadmap or is it based more on recent feedback you uh, you've received
1: i mean right now my feature map is which bug is the highest emergency (laughs) um or maybe not bug a lot of them are still kind of outstanding bugs uh, edge cases um also maybe maybe it would be where do people seem the most confused is how I'm kind of trying to guide the UI. That's part of the reason why I'm shifting to um, having the, the the call all happen within Zencaster instead of using Skype and Hangouts on the side. I think that was the right place to start for me, but um, there's an awful lot of people that um, get confused about... Um, you know, you can you can end up in situations where like Skype is using one microphone and Zencastr is using the other microphone. Or, Dylan.
4: <laughs> that happened to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's not and it's not your fault, really. It's confusing. It's, it's oh, it's Dylan's fault.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying that.
4: Well, the other thing that would be nice too is like like um, because we're using Skype and Zencaster, I'm using the mute button in Skype, you know, where I'm not talking, but it doesn't mute it in, in Zencastr, obviously. Yeah, that's one of
1: the biggest um, complaints I get is like not having a mute feature. But since it, if you muted in ZenCaster, it wouldn't mute in Skype or vice versa. It's really confusing, a UI issue. So that's another reason why I want to consolidate it, and um, so that you know, mute actually does what people expect. Because um, a lot of people using, you know, you guys are probably you know pretty savvy with this stuff, but um uh, what those I, what are the types are... of
0: assumptions that can get you in trouble around this group <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know I'll, I'll 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 take that uh anyway but i i think the you know there are a lot of people one i, I recently bought a booth at the podcast movement conference to just go and see and get the word out about zencaster um wasn't a very great roi as far as like getting signups and things like that. But what it was really good at is I got to know the customers and, or the potential clients. And, um, there's a huge kind of influx of interest in podcasting right now. And a lot of the people that want to have a podcast, um, don't have any of the kind of what are currently the requisite skills for that. Cause right now you need to like, uh, you know, not be an audio editor, web developer, marketer, social media expert. Um, You got to understand iTunes and RSS feeds and publishing and all of this stuff. And so my goal is to kind of make it so that you don't need to be that kind of jack of all trades to get into podcasting because there are an awful lot of people who just want to just have something to say, but don't know how to do any of the other stuff.
0: So are you thinking that you might move towards like doing the hosting for it and producing RSS feeds and giving people landing pages, that sort of stuff?
1: Whether or not I actually end up hosting it, I definitely am going to have like a publish feature to where you could publish it to your Libsyn account or, you know, to iTunes or where, you know, that'll handle that process of tying that all together for you. Um, I may end up doing hosting in the end as well, if that makes sense, but that's not,
4: I haven't decided on that yet. Yeah, there's definitely some some things to figure out for that. Like right for us, so we, we have, we're uploading our podcast MP3s up to like an Azure storage account, but then we have to have our website to expose it. And then iTunes doesn't actually host anything for it. iTunes just subscribes to like an RSS feed. So we got to publish that so it can get into iTunes. So there's like a bunch of stuff you need to figure out to get a podcast hosted
2: yeah plus there's the metrics behind it too people want to know how many people are listening and that's not an easy thing to do with the podcast
4: right and we're struggling with that because we just have ours in an azure storage account the metrics you get from azure storage account are terrible for hosting a podcast Azure has their content delivery network which up until very recently gave you almost no metrics i think that just changed and we just switched our podcast over so we'll see how that goes People hosting podcasts, they want to know how many viewers they have and how much of the podcast are they listening to and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, There's a lot of technical things you got to sort out to actually host a podcast.
0: Yeah, a lot of those metric things are really important too if you're looking to monitorize your podcast, if you're looking to get someone to sponsor it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of room to kind of expand out in those directions. I think I want to keep things pretty um, focused on doing the recording really well and capturing the audio and then off, kind of offloading to other services, at least initially. But the advantage that I have with Zencaster is that I've got the users from the very beginning. So it's easy for me to just do the, handle the recording now, get that working really well, and then later on I can just say, hey, if you want, now you don't have to worry about uh, uploading it to your own servers or here you can just use my publish tool and then i think it'll be an easy kind of um, you know funnel to get people to those uh, you know those kind of fringe services as well
2: it's nice with the, uh, the user experience for that is is nice as well because you you it's very easy to sign up and get started and see the benefit of it right away so i think once people do start using it it's just becomes a normal thing it's not like one of those things like you always have to keep fidgeting with and and tweaking it's you know create a thing click record and away you go it does what it needs to do and then goes away
3: you know it's interesting because you, you know, i'm sure you've heard had a, about 100 or 200 different users all give you uh feature requests and say oh which direction are you going and your answer earlier about the startup uh, setup that you've got where your goal isn't to be, it's not like a delusion of grandeur where it's like, well, I'm going to be the Facebook of podcasts where I'm going to get a board of directors. And I want, you know, millions of, I want a billion dollar valuation, but I find it interesting because you have this whole starting small and staying small. And so you can manage it yourself and, and sustain remote, uh, remote work and, and do your thing. I'm curious on what the reaction you've gotten from people if you've, you know, especially with your roots in that startup world, what your what the reaction has been to people that you've mentioned that to? Just, no, just want to keep it lean and, you know, I'll focus on recording and rather than be a billionaire. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I don't think that there, I haven't had anyone come up to me and say, Hey, this could really be a billion dollar business. Let's blow it out of the water. More of it, the reaction I get is, podcasts recording and that sounds like a small niche (laughs) you know
3: (laughs) interesting Um, okay
1: which it is i mean there's only so many i mean it's growing um but the big numbers that are growing in podcasting is the listener the listenership not necessarily the you know the creators Mm -hmm. as far as like being you know what is it i think there's maybe if I don't know, a couple hundred thousand active podcasts or something like that. Um, so, like, uh, you know, someone who's in, you know, big wig investor in Silicon Valley is not going to want to hear a market size of 200,000, you know. Hmm. Um, so, or a maximum market size if you had full saturation. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe, if maybe there's like, great marketing minds out there that could figure out how to like leverage this and that and do some, something crazy with like ad serving and this and that, I don't know right now I'm going to keep it simple and just get to where I can like sustain myself on it. And then, you know, maybe I'll start looking into that kind of stuff. Cool.
2: I have a question about, uh, while you're developing this, do you find that you work differently when you're building something for yourself versus building for the company that you work for like the e-commerce site?
3: Hmm.
1: I would say yes and part of the reason is is that because I am like the sole decision maker so I never get to a situation where I'm like oh there's a question of how it should be done here and I'm not the guy that knows the answer so let me like go write an email and wait for a response and that'll happen in like a day or two. And then, you know, there's a lot of like things that get with, there's a lot of things that really slow you down in a, once you're dealing with multiple decision makers in a company. And I think that's not, you know, anyone's fault. It's just like the nature of having people working together. But when it's just me, I can just make decisions quickly. And so I can develop faster on my own. I think.
2: What about the type of code that you uh, generate? Is it basically the same quality as you would do for your your employer, or do you do more testing? Do you do less testing? Or hmm. I'm not happy with the quality of the code
1: right now in Zencaster. Part of that is because the the app has really evolved quickly from what I initially thought it was going to be. Um, so. There's definitely, if I had some downtime, I would definitely go back through um, uh, and cl- clean up a lot. Um, so, I yeah, I would say I probably give myself some leeway on code quality because I'm the only guy. Um, I don't have to explain it to anyone, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs>
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot for, for joining us today, Josh. We really appreciate it. I think we learned a lot. And I know that ZenCaster makes our lives easier. And hopefully, everyone who's listening and is thinking about podcasting or has their own podcast is going to jump on the ZenCaster bandwagon and we'll get you to not having to work sooner. Yeah, my pleasure. So, thanks everyone else for coming too. And we'll see everyone next week when we'll madly try and decide what topic 10 minutes before the podcast again. My thing around